open up your Bibles to Ephesians 4. You guys remember the micro, micro machine mini guy, the mini mini micro machine guy? I don't know. Yeah, damn. Remember that guy before he had a heart attack? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if he had a heart attack. Here's the deal, though. We're studying the book of Ephesians, and if you're just joining us or been watching online, you know that the book of Ephesians is deep, one of Paul's greatest letters ever written, written under duress, in jail. I don't know about you, but I wait to do my best work when things are going great. Paul said, I'm in jail. It's like the worst day ever. I think I'll do the best thing in the world. Wouldn't that be great if that was your reaction and your mantra, that when, tough, when life was tough and tight, God was able to squeeze out of you jewels and treasure? That's where diamonds come from. You realize that, don't you? They, they come from the earth being crushed together. Much pressure, much time, much heat. And out of it, coal, worthless coal, dirty coal. Worthless is turned into precious stones and jewels and gems. Anyways, Paul did just that, and we're now studying this, this letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, here's the deal. He wrote it to a church in Ephesus, but it's not just to that church personally. It's to the church collectively. It is to the church of God, to the body, to those who claim Jesus as their Lord and their Savior and their El Presidente and their El Numero Uno. And Jesus, this letter is for you and for me as well. Now, here's the deal. Let me tell you something about the church both the church at Ephesus, the church of the Ephesians, and this church here, and the church. This is a big one to wrap your mind around. It may change your whole life. Okay, you ready for that? This is the front end of the sermon too. The, the, the local church is the hope of the world. Now, if you're wondering what, why the world is hopeless and why the world's messed up and why the, what the world has to look for, you need to understand it is the local church that is the hope of the world because the local church has a message of the messenger. The messenger is Jesus. The message is Jesus and the messenger is the church and as God changes your life and changes my life, oh, he can do things through you. You, are you successful in everything you've done? Are you perfect in all ways? Uh, do you have tons of abilities? The greatest ability you have is availability. And as you give your life to the Lord and let him change you through the book of Ephesians, you understand the message of Jesus. That's Jesus for you, Jesus in you, and Jesus among you. Then the messenger is the church, and people see in us and through us and among us what Jesus does. So I'm just saying again, whether you like it or not, he's going to use the church to touch the world. That's why Paul's so committed to the church and equipping the church through the epistle to the Ephesians, the Romans, uh, Colossians, Galatians, Thessalonians, all those epistles. Oh, oh, the church is so important. And Ephesians, when understood and applied, will change your life. It will also change the life of any church that studies it out. You guys know, by the way, if you're students here, hopefully you are, that Ephesians is split up into two main categories. Chapters 1 through 3 is doctrinal. Chapters 4 through 6 is practical. That is doctrinal. What has been done? Who God is? What God's established? And then the last three chapters, which we're beginning today, is now here's what you build on that. You, you ever been to a construction project or a, a home build? Man, that foundation is so important. As a matter of fact, you can't do anything without the foundation. As they pour the foundation and the footings, it cures and it stabilizes, and there's rebar, and there's all the infrastructure. And then you build what you build on it. And so Paul has made sure we have understood what has been done so that way we know what to do. And when you fully understand the book of Ephesians is about, it's going to change your life. As a matter of fact, I just want you to get real personal with me right now. 
I really believe God's on the move, okay? Let me say it this way. If he weren't, I'd go get a job at the gas station, okay? I'm out of here. What am I doing here? I don't need this unless God is on the move. Unless God is real, unless we have shirts that say Jesus is real, unless God is actually doing things in individual lives, and I see it by the scores, and also doing things in the lives of churches. Did you know that right now we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and simultaneously across the bridge, down the road, near 12th Street, the Newport Nazarene Church is also studying verse by verse the book of Ephesians, and they find themselves today in the practical matters of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. They're studying the exact same portion, and check this out, the story gets even better. Because I tell you what, you've heard it said before that where you are in the word is where you are. And we're there. We're in Ephesians 4. Hopefully you read ahead. Raise your hand if you read ahead. Okay? The rest of you? What, what gives? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing. Just messing. But for real. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll have that conversation later. Anyway, if you read ahead, man. You see that Paul then says, okay, now that Jesus has done all this, and now that you have had all this done to you, oh, here's how we act. And the church of the Nazarene is reading this, and we're reading this. And as I read this on Monday, just seeing where I'm at as an individual, as a man, I found myself reading chapter four, and no joke, while I read chapter four to myself with my coffee in my hand, that's how I do it, you could take advice. And I read it, and I read verses one through six, And I thought to myself, this is so cool that the Nazarene church is going through the exact same portion of scripture. Wow, I'm so excited. And what Paul details and dictates and commands and beseeches in verses one through six is that we would dwell together. We would walk together. We would be one even as he is one. Whoa. And I began to think, you know what would be radical? You know what would be amazing? Is to co-op with the Newport Nazarene church on this particular Sunday while we're in the same portion of scripture, while God in his providence, in his ingenuity, in his genius, in his comedian side says you guys are there together wouldn't it be fun to co-op and so i thought about it drank more coffee and forgot about it (laughs) not really i prayed about it and i kept it to myself on monday and tuesday and on wednesday i finally ran into my good friend pastor andy albright from the newport nazarene church and i met with him there at check stand four at fred meyers (laughs) You, you guys ever been to fred meyers before did, did you see anybody you knew? <laughs> happens to me from time to time. And uh, anyways, I saw Andy. And I said, oh, Andy, that's right. And on Wednesday, I went to him. And I said, hey, hey, I know you're in Ephesians 4. We're right there traveling together. And I, I pitched the idea to him. I said, what if you came to our church, okay, all three services, read the portion we're going to study in Jesus' name and prayed for us. And then we studied. And then during your services, I came over there and did the same thing. Would that be radical? Would we be breaking the rules? Are we going to get arrested? You know, how's this going to go? And they're right there at Check Stand 4. They're, you know, talking where we do real theological discussions. People get saved in the grocery store. And uh, Andy, Andy and I said, let's, let's pray about it and talk. And, and Andy and I got together on Friday, I believe it was, and uh, he had ran it by his counselors and people that he trusts. And everybody thought, this is crazy. This is so good. This would be so radical. This would be so fun. And by the way, let me just back step a little bit. About two weeks ago, I was at a pastor's prayer meeting, all the evangelical pastors in town. And one of the leaders of the group. He's actually not even a pastor. He just helped put the thing together. He said, I have a dream that one day, you guys aren't there yet, he said, but one day you guys would swap pulpits. You guys would share in the love of Jesus and just let each other's churches benefit from what God is doing. And we all laughed at him and kicked him out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We didn't. We didn't. We heard what he said. And, and I agree. And so um, Andy and I got together. And so I don't want to take up any more uh, time than necessary, but I would proudly like you to help welcome with me Pastor Andy Albright of the Newport Nazarene Church. Yep, yep. 
I just want to say thanks, Pastor Luke, and thanks South Beach Church, and we love you guys. We are part of one body, worshiping one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an honor for me to read these verses to you today and then pray for you. Pray that the Lord just continues to do all of the phenomenal, miraculous things he's doing through you as a church. You guys are just making Jesus famous all over Oregon, all over the world. I mean, God is just doing so many great things, and we praise the Lord for what he's doing in and through your body. Let me read this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. God's word is powerful. It's life changing. It's transformational. Every time we read it, let me pray for you today. Oh, Lord, I'm just in awe of what you are doing, how you are moving. You are on the move through Lincoln County, and Lord, you are doing amazing things through South Beach Church. People in our community know that Jesus is real. And Lord, I thank you for how you work through Pastor Luke, how you work through his family, how you work through the elders in this church, their leadership, Lord. I ask, Father, that you would just continue Continue to do the mighty things you've been doing through Pastor Luke. Lord, how you speak through him in powerful and dynamic ways. Lord, I pray that you would just just continue to fill him with your power. Lord, I pray that you would bless his family. You'd protect him. You'd watch over him. Be with his leadership team, Lord. Help them. They're making big decisions right now, and they're being led by you. I just pray, Lord, that as they continue to seek you, they would find you and find exactly what you want them to do moving forward. Lord, I thank you for their church body, church body that goes out and proclaims the gospel, shares the truth, loves on their community, Lord, lets you move through them in such powerful, dynamic ways. Lord, I praise you for that, and I just pray that you continue to bless them, that you'd multiply, multiply the things that are happening here. Lord, I know that as South Beach Church grows, your kingdom is being built up. Lord, I pray that it would just continue to grow in your will and in your ways, Lord. I just know, Lord, heaven is rejoicing because of the great things that you're doing through South Beach Church and all the other Jesus-following Bible-preaching churches in our community. Lord, I pray for this prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Lord, I just pray that I know you'll be here. You'll be here with them, Lord, and I just pray that you'd make things so clear, that you would just help them in every way to find exactly where you want them to be, and Lord, that would just be such a beautiful, beautiful place for your future here in Newport and beyond. Lord, I just pray that you'd bless them, bless them so mightily, Lord. We trust in you for these things. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. You're our strength, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Andy, so much. I would like to pray for you, Thank you and uh, for your church. And uh, if you guys would just commit, raising your hand towards Andy. And Father, we are so humbled to be part of your family. Each and every one of us knows our story, that we're not worthy. We're rebels and renegades. Yet, Lord, by your amazing grace and kindness, you've adopted us in. Not because of us, but because of you. You're so good. We saw that in chapters one through three. You're the hero, we're the zero. And you brought us all together. And Lord, you've put us in different places on the same team, in the same vineyard for the same purpose. And Lord, we just thank you. And we humbly look to you this morning. We truly do. And we say, Father, lead us. May we be those kids that are dwelling together in unity, that are pleasing to you, that bring oil, Lord, dripping down, Lord, upon our membership and fellowship and purpose, and that bring that water on the mountain, Lord, of Hermon, Lord, and that we would see life growing, Lord. I just thank you for the body of Christ in Newport, Lincoln County, Lord, all the churches. We don't belong here, Lord, but you've invited us. You've made room for us. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the unity that you've given to us. And we pray, Lord, for Andy, Lord, and for Sarah and their boys. Lord, as they continue to just come to Newport, all the way from Colorado, to, to minister here, to pour their lives out as a sacrifice, an offering for Jesus Christ. May they be rewarded, Lord, and may there be fruit, and may there be increase, and may their Lord be healing and transformation. I pray for the Newport Nazarene Church, Lord, that it would continue to move forward, that there would be supernatural growth and development, Lord, in the body from the inside out, Lord. Just grant them with your wisdom, with your fullness, with the knowledge, Lord, that comes of Jesus Christ, as Paul prayed. And I thank you again for my friendship with Andy, Lord. We give you all the credit and glory. We thank you for the other churches, Lord, that we love and support and value. And we pray, Lord, that their health would be seen and known and that the rest of the world would say, whoa, 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 the church is the hope of the world. Lord, do it, we pray. Do it in our hearts today. Invigorate us and fire us up. We love you, Jesus. And I commit my brother and his family, his church, his leadership, his legacy, his purpose to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you you too. Go down this way. Okay. Wow, that was radical. In more ways than one, I'll tell you a quick story. When Andy got here, he was sitting back there by my dad. I don't think my dad knew who he was, and so they were talking right before the worship began, and my dad said, hey, how, how are you? Nice to meet you, like you should say to everybody. And he said, I'm doing good. I'm the pastor of the Newport Nazarene Church. We've got a surprise plan today. And my dad, not knowing of this, says, does Luke know? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Watching out for me. And here's, I did know, and I do know, and I am so excited about what God is doing. And as we study this portion of scripture even deeper today, it's really so simple. Now that we get into the practical matters, into the what do we do now that Jesus has done everything? How do we now act and conduct ourselves? And the book of Ephesians continues on very practically. It's even divided very simply into these four areas. I won't tell you today because you won't listen. It doesn't matter. You'll get to it eventually. But these four areas that we are now to walk in, that is we are to have our direction pointed, our journey, our mantra. We're on a journey. And these four little areas, we're to walk, firstly, in unity. I will tell you, we're to walk in unity, we're to walk in purity, we're to walk in harmony, and we're to walk in victory. All those are detailed in the next three chapters. He breaks it up. This is now who you are because of what he's done. And I'm always looking for fruit, at least in my own life. Aren't you looking for fruit in your life? Sometimes I look for fruit in your life, too. I find myself being a fruit inspector. I'm like, you know, and I I look around, and I'm excited at times and disappointed in other times. And you know how it is. And sometimes fruit's not ripe, and sometimes fruit's not ready, and all the rest. 
But the fruit that God is looking for may surprise you in our upcoming study. As a matter of fact, I'll tell one story. When we first began the book of Ephesians, there was a couple here. They don't go to church here anymore, but they were very excited. Oh, Ephesians, yes, all about marriage. I thought to myself, that's a common thought because most people have that portion in Ephesians 5 memorized or at least highlighted and versed and studied about marriage. Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and, and wives submit to your husbands unto the Lord and all this. It's all, Paul doesn't get there very quick, does he? We started the book of Ephesians in January. And while this couple said, ooh, 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 marriage, are we going to talk about that day one? Can we do a conference and a seminar and move forward and do all kinds? I said, no, not, not even close. Not until you figure out what Jesus has done for you. Because if you don't know what Jesus has done for you, you're going to try and do for him everything wrong. You're going to try and love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wrong. You're going to try and submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Wrong. You're going to try and raise your kids and work for your employer and stand victoriously in spiritual warfare. Wrong. If you don't know chapters 1, 2, and 3. If you don't really understand what in the world Jesus has done and what is now mine and how undeserving I am. If you get that stuff, if it's, if it's yours, if you owned it, we've taken much time and all of the podcasts are on iTunes. You can just go in there and grab them yourself and listen to them or watch them on the stream. They're all there that you would know what Jesus has done. Then you'll be able to navigate forward and you'll see the commands in chapters four, five, and six the beseeches, and I beseech you now, therefore, do this. You'll see those in light of what he's done, and you'll say, no problem. I'll definitely do that. Anything else? What else would you like me to do now that I know what he's done? And you'll know where the strength and the power and the fortitude and the ability comes from in moving forward. And so when we study verses 1 through 6 today, and he just read it to us, it wasn't even hard to say, this is not just our church, this is the church. Let's, let's, let's see how crazy, let's see how messy we can get. Did you realize that today, right after this service, I'm going to get off the stage and invite you to come take communion. I will take my communion to go in my car. It says you can't text and drive, but not commune and drive, so I'm going to do that. And I'm going to get in my car, it's parked right here, and I'm going to get out of here while you're taking communion. I'm going to go over the bridge, and I'm going to find the exit door that he asked me to come in during his church service. We're going to do the same thing over there. And then at the end of this service, him and his wife are going to leave that service and come back to the 11 o'clock service. They're going to stay here the whole time and do this service again. And then he's going to come back at the 6 p.m. service, and he's going to do it again, the 6 p.m. service, and be late for his 6 p.m. service. We're, we're going we're gonna, to, with humility and excitement, say, yeah, well, okay, if God said to do it, and we know why, because of verses, chapters 1 through 3, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wants me to love my wife unconditionally, sacrificially to the end. That's how he wants me to give my life for my wife. Based on what he's done for me, no problem. Easy peasy. What's next? Wants me to submit to the government. Wants me to stand victoriously in spiritual warfare. No problemo because I know what he's done. And so we've taken the time and now we segue in the chapters, like I said, are divided so perfectly. Doctrinal versus chapters one through three and now practical. Here's the deal though. So many people myself included, are very practical in our Christianity. I just want to know what to do. I just want to know what to do. I just want to know what to do. And you've done that before. And you've tried your hardest and you've gone there and you've read the book and you attended the seminar. But you didn't know what had been done. And you find yourself moving forward before you found time to sit. As a matter of fact, Watchman Nee wrote a book many, many years ago based on the book of Ephesians called Sit, Stand, Walk. And in this, actually, it's sit, walk, stand. Sit, 
walk, stand. And in it, he takes the book of Ephesians and says, before you walk and before you stand fast in Ephesians 6, before you do any of that stuff, you need to learn to sit. You truly just got to sit on the foundation of what Christ has done. You truly got to sit and soak and then serve as you understand what God has done for you and in you and now wants to do through you. And inviting Andy in here, in the Nazarene church, those who love Jesus, different makeup, different model, different methods, same message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Different in nature, different in place and geography, same team, same purpose. And as we understand that, you're going to see some crazy, profound things from God's word as you study it through. As you understand the Father's heart for the church, I just want you to understand the message is very simple today. I read to you before we worship Psalm 133. Maybe Jeremy can put it up. If not, I'll read it to you. I just want you to really get this. He says, for brethren, he says, how good it is and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon there in the Golan Heights, descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded blessing, life forevermore. Stop right there, eyes up here. The Bible teaches us that when his kids dwell together, God kind of freaks out. He kind of just, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And if you've ever had kids, you know how this looks, don't you? When your kids dwell together, when they play together, when things are going well. When my kids, I just tell them this. I say, look, kids, it's very simple. If you do what's right and you love each other and you bless each other and you serve each other, I will bestow upon you riches you haven't even thought of. I'm just telling the truth. I'm like, I'm not kidding you. You want to go places, you want ice cream, you want to go to the lake, you want to go on rides, you want stuff, I will blow your minds. But if, there, if you don't dwell together richly, if there is conflict, if the boys gang up against Acacia, my five-year-old daughter, or if the boys wrestling with one another turns into knife fights, or you know, if things get weird and confrontational, instead of being like a little mini piece of heaven, which it is at times at my house, instead of a little piece of mini heaven, it becomes very much like Nightmare on Elm Street, and I'm Freddy Krueger, you know? And I'm Freddy, put the mask on, like, all right, here we go, you guys. It's the truth. And when, they, when they're blessing each other, I, I just am so stoked. I'm so excited. I want to bless them. I want to reward them. I serve them. Everything I do is for them. But when they have an ism and a schism and a division, not only is it frustrating, and I'm by no means an image of God in my fatherhood. I'm very much fleshly and still working under construction. (laughs) But how much more so does God, when he looks at his body and say, really? Dividing? There's, wow, I just love it when you're together. I love it. All the different tribes of Israel, the 12 different tribes, very diverse in nature, geographical differences and even heritage differences and and personality differences. But when they're together, ah, Papa's happy. And here we have this opportunity now that chapters one through three are under our belt. Paul says, ooh, 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 look at verse one with me. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he gives us the clarity, the reason. There is one body and one spirit. 
Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. And Paul begs us and beseeches us. And I wonder what was going on in Ephesus. Was there a division? Was there a schism? I wonder what was going on in Philippi. I wonder what was going on in Corinth. And if you read these letters, you know that in those towns and in those churches, there was indeed isms and schisms and weird things happening. And Paul's in prison like a father. <laughs> Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Writing, get the, figure it out. Figure it out or I'm going to show up. And he even told a few of the churches, if you don't figure it out by the time I get there, it's going to be embarrassing okay, for you and me. Figure it out. Love one another. And how much ism and schism is there just naturally and generally within the church body here where we dwell? God loves unity like any father. And I'll tell you what, God in heaven loves it just as much as Paul did, if not uh, even more. As a matter of fact, did you know that just hours before Jesus died on the cross, he was going over his bucket list, right? Right before he dies. Walk on water, check. Feed the poor, check. Heal the lepers, check. You know, go to a hypocritical church, make a whip out of cords, flip over the tables and spill their money everywhere, check. You know, all this stuff. And right before he died in John 13 and in John 17, hours before he dies, it's as if the boys still miss the big picture. They're like, yeah, heal the lepers, for sure, for sure. Walk on water, super cool. Miracles, miracles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed the poor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justice, justice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypocritical churches, yeah, yeah, yeah. Attack, attack, attack. We got all that. What else do we do? It's as if they missed it. Because on his dying deathbed, you don't just teach arbitrary thoughts and just lay out some secondary issues. Instead, you make sure they get it. And in John 13 and John 17, you could read it later today, Jesus both taught on and demonstrated love one to another because the boys missed it super religious super powerful ready to be gangsters for jesus you know renegades they're, they're a bunch of gangsters they were the disciples and jesus said oh john 13 35 and, and by your love by this by this all will know that you're my disciples <laughs> if you have love one for another now i need you to just humble yourself when you read that and say oh whoa that's how they're going to know? I thought for sure it was an SBC hoodie. I thought that's how they were going to know. I thought they were going to know because I have a sticker on my car. Jesus said, by this they'll know that you're my disciples. By this they'll know Jesus is real. By this they'll know that Jesus is legit. How? Because you actually love people that are at times unlovable. Because you bear long, like Paul says. Because you endeavor. Because you walk now. Because you do stuff that they don't deserve. 99% of the time, when I bestow gifts upon my kids, love and affection, care and concern, 99% of the time, by their own merit, they don't deserve it, okay? Just being honest. That's not the formula I use, though. Do they deserve it? Do they deserve to be fed today? Do they deserve, you know, do they deserve it? No, 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 no. They're my kids. I do it. And so, too, you and I, though, look at each other and say, as soon as you're nice, I'll be as nice. And if you up your niceness, my niceness may increase too. But until then, my niceness is where your niceness is, a real low. And we then judge the people around us for being so not nice when in reality, you're the one not being nice. I remember one time there was this particular pastor and I didn't like some of the doctrinal stances he held. 
and I accidentally went to his library of teachings and listened to every single one of the teachings on that particular subject, which made me very anti this pastor because his teaching and stance led to division within the body of Christ. And as I'm doing this as a younger pastor, 2005, 2006, I'm doing this, pushing this pastor and his teachings away because of his stance, because they were divisive. Jesus Christ spoke to me. He said, oh, he's being divisive? Interesting. What exactly are you doing? And I was like, oh, <laughs> my bad. And I had to repent. And so when you see this simple verse and this simple thought, the first thing Paul says, here's what you do now. And people want to run to the spiritual warfare in chapter 6, and they want to run to the marriage portions in chapter 5, and they want to talk about this. And what do we do now? The first thing he says is, let's just first, <laughs> let's first commit to loving the unlovable, forgiving those who haven't asked for forgiveness, dwelling, we're one body, we're one unit. We are, there's one faith and there's one hope and there's one God. This is, this is really simple. And Paul in prison, maybe looking at his church all ismed and schismed and divided. He's like, what, what, what are you guys doing? And I just need you to remind yourself of that, of what was happening then, okay? It's a human issue and it's happening now too. There's unnecessary divisions within the body of Christ. But Paul and Jesus both tell us that we are gonna be known as real disciples by our love one for another. As a matter of fact, did you know that there's so much division and schism in the church that studies recently came out with a number of different, um, at least in presentation, different denominations globally. There's upwards of 40,000 different Christian denominations. Now, here's the deal. That could make you freak out a little bit. 40,000 different types of churches. By and large, though, these types of churches all are looking up to Jesus. By and large, they're all looking to the author and the finisher, the lover of their souls, the father, the senior pastor, Jesus Christ, and they're looking to him. Yet when they look around, they say, oh, really? You have that in your church? You like those kinds of instruments? Those aren't pews, are they? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, church in a warehouse, et cetera, et cetera. And there's all kinds of unnecessary divisions. While I do believe, I'll say this at the front end, it might not make as much sense as I want it to, but I do actually believe there needs to be 40,000 different types of churches that love Jesus, okay? I believe that very true. I think it's a good thing as long as there's not a division thing. There are, have you realized there are very many different people on the earth? Let's figure that out. Okay. Newsflash, not everyone in the world is an American. Okay, just so you know. Second newsflash, God is not an American. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? And there are people throughout the globe and throughout the world that have Jesus as their president, as their king, God as their father, and they're very different than we are. And that difference isn't wrong, it's right. And their God is the same. And so this, the necessary this necessary separation or difference is, I believe, okay. But there is division, isn't there? Remember Acts chapter 15, where Paul and Barnabas got into a fight? They were ministry partners, had changed the world, their first missionary journey together. And on their second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas had a difference of opinion based on one of their coworkers, Mark, who would go on to write the book of Mark. And there was a division, an unnecessary contention. And I take great hope in that because Paul, who writes this now later, is like, guys, here, want to know what I learned the hard way? Walk with lowliness, commitment and connection. 
Don't separate. It's not worth it. And they separated. You know the story there. As time would go on, this, this particular infraction that they had would be healed. Okay? Paul would say, you know, Mark, that guy that I kicked off my team? I like him. Can you bring him to me? I'm in jail. He would say to Timothy, Pastor Tim, bring Mark. And there would be this healing. And Barnabas and him would reconcile. We know that historically as well. Did you know what the Bible says? Maybe Jeremy has it, 1218 uh, out of the book of Romans. It says, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I like that verse. Because your problem usually is with other people and what they're doing. Well, if they, then I And if, and then. If they wouldn't have, I wouldn't have. If they wouldn't have pushed me, I wouldn't have punched them. You know what I'm saying? My kids always come in crying from outside playing. Like, okay, who swung first? What happened happened first? And she pushed me or she stuck her tongue out at me, so I slapped her. I was like, okay, let's both come in. We're going to do some burpees here first and get you guys good and ready to listen. He says, as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. If it's possible for churches to walk in what Jesus taught in John 13, that they would know that we are his disciples by our love. And if Paul's request in Ephesians 4, why would we do this? Why would it be so important? And I said it earlier, and y'all just stared at me. I'll say it again. The church is the hope of the world. You want to know what the oldest organization in the world, lasting organization in the world right now, currently is, is the church. It's been going the longest. No signs of stopping, none whatsoever. You want to know what the biggest organization right now, biggest known organization in the world is? It's the church. You want to know what the strongest organization, lasting and currently running, in the world is? It's the church. It's the biggest, it's the strongest, it's the longest lasting. Did you know that BMW Motors won't be around in 500 years? Just, just so you know, not going to happen, okay? Not going to happen. Uh, your education, your job, your career, your future, your, your Facebook account will not be around in 500 years. This is not going to be here. It's, it's, it's fleeting. It doesn't really have any value here in this thing called life. Uh, your iPhone, Apple computers won't be here in 500 years. Sorry to say, the United States of America will be a footnote in history. 500 years to 1,000 years from now, just a footnote in history. But the church of God will continue on and on and on and on. God with the church and the church with God. And Paul in prison says, okay, now that we know where the foundation's at, First things first. And everyone's like, spiritual warfare. Let's go slay some demons. Ah. You know, it's like, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. You know? <laughs> and he says, first thing, we got to just learn to be together. Okay? E- even if you don't have a pastor, join your pulpit. You got to be together in spirit. And you got to work at it because naturally, siblings have rivalry. Naturally, you and I will butt heads. Let me just say this profound thought. If you're waiting for a person or a church to be exactly perfect in your opinion, okay, before you give them your approval, it will never happen. You in Christ's name and for his economy need to give your love, commitment, and affection before there's worth and deserving. Don't wait. Do it now for Jesus. Don't wait because it won't 
work in your opinion. Did you know that when Jesus in John 13, right before he said, by your love for others, they'll know you're legit. Right before that, he washed all 12 disciples' feet. Did you realize that shortly thereafter, all 12 of the disciples would hurt him deeply? And he knew it. All 12 of the disciples who was washing their feet, love you, love you, love you. Oh, he knew they were all going to stab him in the back. One worse than others. And yet he didn't wait. What if he said, you know what, I was going to wash your guys' feet, but you're a bunch of, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and Peter even was all talk. Not me, Lord. Bunch of cuckoo heads here. Not me. Me and you, we got this thing, right, bro? And just an hour later, he's pretending he's never even met the guy. What are you waiting for right now to forgive the person that you just can't forgive? Honestly, I know it's very practical for some of you. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for them to say sorry. I'm waiting for them to see it my way. I'm waiting for them to repent. I'm waiting for them to grovel. I'm waiting for... Th- Where do you get that? I didn't see that. I don't see that part in Jesus' lifestyle. I don't see that part in Paul's ministry. Instead, he says, as much as it is up to you, you live well and peaceably with others. Yeah, but they threw mud at me first. Cool. Build a mud pie and eat it. <sighs> Don't throw it back. <sighs> the local church is the hope of the world. Okay? It's God's hope for all. And, and here's the deal. This is so fun. This is, as much as it depends upon you, okay? That's our problem, okay? Really, get it, get it through your head. It's not about them and how they respond. I'm just, this will save you from so much grief because some of the people that you love or are called to love won't respond right. Whether it's your kids or whether it's your brother and sister, they're not gonna respond right. That doesn't, in God's grace, chapters one through three, now I'm founded. That doesn't then allow you then a free card to walk like a crazy person. Instead, you get to walk like a Christ person. Jesus, who knew that Judas Iscariot had 30 pieces of silver in his pocket, washed his feet and said, I love you came to die for you. This is, take, take and eat my body. Take, take and drink this cup. It's for you. And he knew it wasn't going to work. And some people in here right now are waiting. Well, I'm not going to extend forgiveness and grace because it's not going to work. Okay, do it anyways. For as a demonstration that Jesus is legit, that he is the real deal. And here's the deal. As much as it depends upon you. So this is happening. I can only navigate myself and this church and hopefully move forward. And here in Newport, we don't have control over what's going on in other states and other denominations, but we do have control over what happens in Lincoln County. And right here, we're doing it in Newport. Every single month, the local churches get together and we pray for each other. We build relationships and we help lead each other's churches and love each other. That's building right now. Once per month, we get together and it's awesome. And we're learning to trust each other. And then we do uh, spontaneous meeting times where we just get together and have coffee and talk and visit one another. Our youth groups are growing closer and closer together. They're sharing in events and activities and facilities and infrastructures and, and group lists and all this cool stuff that's happening. Everybody's letting these walls that have been removed go down, bridges be built right here in our own town. Right now, this very week, I'm actually printing t-shirts for the First Baptist Youth Group to give away to their youth. Okay, they're going through South Beach Church. Can you help us? You guys do hoodies. Can you help us get stuff? Yeah, for sure. What do you need? We'll give it to you at cost, no profit. We just want to serve you guys. Last month, I put together uh, an entire um, package for the church in Florence, Church on the Rock there, the Calvary Chapel down there for, for their church to get hoodies. And this week, I'm working on Young Life, an organization here in town, printing bro tanks for them that say Young Life. And how can we make everybody just excel in their ministry and make it awesome 
for them. Uh, two weeks ago, this is a fun story, I went to the Encounter a Community Church right there on Highway 101. No, it's called Highway 20, right there by the U.S. Bank. And Pastor Jason Santoni had texted me and said, I got some questions, man, about our youth ministry and the building, and we need more space, and I don't know what to do. Can you just come over and talk? And I was super humbled. I was like, that's awesome, man. I'll come over there. And I walked in, walked in the door, and their church is really cool. They meet in a warehouse there right by Mai's uh, Asian um, food or, or store. And I walked in there, and they had the music playing. Okay, the music was on, worship music, and I just thought to myself, this sound system sounds like junk. And I just talked to him for about an hour, about two, we prayed, and I said, hey, why, why are you using those speakers? And I just pointed at him, just being real candid, and he said, that's all we got. I said, that's all you got? I said, those sound like garbage. And I was just being nice. Honesty's nice sometimes. I said, Those, they sound like garbage. Why, why, did, why don't you just, you know, it's like, you, got, you know, we can only got priorities and this and that. And I said, okay, okay, here's what I'm going to do. So I sent, I sent our sound technician, Esai, over there. I said, Esai, go over there, listen to what they got, peep their scene, see their setup, and see if we could help out. And so Esai went over, they looked at their sound, looked at their stuff, and we swapped out a bunch of our stuff that we're not using currently to upgrade their system to the next level. Just gave it to them, said, use this, it's better. It's going to bless you. And the very next Wednesday, people thought all their musicians had finally learned to play their instruments. They're like, wow, what happened? You guys get new instruments or something? You know, it's a new sound system. Ah, man. Today, I'm going to the Nazarene church to pray and to read. Do you think heaven's going to be happy? That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And we've got things, we've got ideas, and what about this, and what about that? Listen, God can handle all of that. God can handle all of your questions. He says how good and how pleasant it is to see the body dwelling together in unity. There is no them and no us. About four years ago, I was coaching my son's soccer team. He's eight now. He was four then. And I had this mom and dad on my team with their little guy. And the dad showed up to practice. He'd missed the first three, and so I was finally introducing myself to the dad, and the dad asked me what I did for a living. I said I was a pastor, and he got excited. Oh, a pastor? Where at? And the mom quipped in real quick, at the competition. (laughs) And I was, I handled it well, you know. I didn't say anything. But that, that idea, that idea, oh, yeah, he's a pastor, but not at our church. For sure, not at our church, you know? <laughs> the competition, and that, I, it just, when I see my kids at each other's throats, competing in an unhealthy way, grieves my father's heart. And so too, when we see ourselves as competing against another church, ooh, careful. We are in competition against ourselves. I want to be a better Luke Frechette every day. Man, if Luke, if Luke Frechette can be a better me, then we all win. If you can be a better you, that's a healthy competition. If we can be better than what Satan has to offer this crazy world, if we can have a better message than what this world has to offer people, yes, that's our competition, but it's not other churches. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when one church is blessed, we're all blessed. And when one church is brought low, we're all brought low. We suffer together. We rejoice together. And how are you going to mature into this if you don't know what Jesus has already done for you and for me? Look at verse 1 again. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. This idea of lowliness and gentleness is what's required to do this. And how do you have lowliness and gentleness? You understand chapters one through three, that we were dead in trespasses and sins, that we who had no hope, 
that we who were separated, that we who had nothing to offer were redeemed, reconciled, made clean, adopted, sat together in heavenly places. There is nothing you or I brought to the table to be doing what we're doing. And so it's not hard to walk with lowliness and humility with the body of Christ, knowing that you and I don't even belong there. If, on the other hand, you think you've done something great, you're a pretty good addition to the body of Christ. Of course God saved you. Look at how much more valuable the church is now that I'm here. (laughs) If that's your understanding, then of course you're going to be above, and you're going to look down, and you're going to be a divider if it's all about you. But listen, if it's all about Jesus, oh. Oh, you're from that church? Oh, so cool. You love, you, you, you love Jesus? Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so blessed to know you. You're a Christian? I have been growing in this over the years. When I see Christians, it just blows my mind. You're a Christian? You, re- you believe what I believe? A- amongst all of the craziness and all of the evil and all of the temptations, you are running hard for Jesus? I just love to be with you and I love to be in your presence and and we're at different places but we're not in competition we're on the same team that is born out of an understanding that Jesus has done it all this long suffering bearing with one another in love look at verse 2 the very last sentence bearing with one another in love you know what you have to bear with people because they're different than you like straight up and by the way most of you come to South Beach Church because you like something about South Beach Church okay we all know it's the coffee and that's okay, okay. But it, there's something that draw, drew you here, and, and the bearing with one another is lower, but still required. And there's other places if you were to go, you would have to bear with them. Have you ever loved a worship song so much? It's like your jam, it's your favorite, and then hated another worship song? Like, oh, I hate this song to Jesus, you know? You can be honest. You love your songs and you hate the other songs. I get it. Did you know that there's people that hate your songs and love their songs? I mean, the exact opposite, the exact opposite of you. They hate it when that song comes on, and this is their deal. I remember one time I was just grieving over this one particular song at the church I used to work at in Ash, and I was just so like, oh, this song, ah! And I looked to my left, and there was a person, hands up, tears flowing, just in the presence of the Lord. And I thought, okay, <laughs> my bad, and I put my hands up and worshiped the Lord. Right thing to do. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one. Is that the Pastor Luke impersonation? <laughs> Bearing with one another in love. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I like this word endeavoring because it means to do everything in your possible reach to accomplish. Did you know that today's event, what we're doing here, is not just a stunt or a skit. It's the real deal. And it takes a lot of energy to do so. We had to talk and make a plan, and I'm probably going to get a speeding ticket in just a minute here, and it's okay. And, you know, and I'll, I'll bring the cop to church with me. You know, it'll be, when I see this word endeavor, verse 3, I'll read it again. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. What's your endeavoring project going to be this week? Are you going to wait for peace to happen naturally? Wait for forgiveness to flow while you're sleeping? Wait for something amazing to, are you going to endeavor? Are you going to work hard? Who, who, who do you need to repent over today? What do you need to just cast on to the Lord and say, God, this has messed with me, and I just, I need your help in forgiving them, and I need to, I'm just going to let this go, because Jesus let it go for you. Verse 4 says, there's one body, and there's one spirit, 
just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. And when you understand that there is only one Father of faith, one Father of life, one person who gives to us all that we need, you find that it's worth it, that it can be done. You, you can do this. Last thought I'll put with you at this service. There'll be more at the next, but I got to get to another church. I'm actually going to have the worship team come on up and the communion be brought out right now. Jesus, going through his bucket list hours before he died, said to his disciples, by your love one for another, they'll know you're legit. Then he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. During his time of prayer, whether there or on the way, John 17 is his last recorded prayer. Listen, please. And in John 17, verse 21, he prayed, Father, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that they may believe that you sent me. Did you see that last part? That they may believe that you sent me. Jesus praying says would they, that we would be together and that they would be together. Why? So that everyone would see. You don't even need to raise your hands. But if you want a revival, okay, if you want people saved, you want your coworkers that hate Jesus and hate you, you want your kids, you want people that have rejected Jesus, if you want them to believe that he's real like you do, you believe it, it's going to happen when you dwell together in unity. Jesus, as he's, it's just mind-blowing. Read John 17, 21 today. Read it on your own time. Jesus says, oh, God, may they, may they be united so people actually believe that I am God, that I am Jesus. I want Jesus to give me supernatural power to explode things so people know that he's real. And God says, no, that's not going to do it. But instead, Luke, how about I explode your pride? How about I explode your heart? How about I do things in you that will show other people I'm real? Not just your morality and your righteousness, your supernatural power and understanding. How about just your love? Because love never fails. Father, in Jesus' name, now we've studied your word. And Lord, we look to you as our author and the finisher of our faith. And we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that the simple birthing of unity would be ours to endeavor, to keep, to pursue, Lord. And as we come to the table, may we all realize we are all equal. There's nobody here who's better than others or knows more. That's not the case. Instead, Lord, there is one faith, one baptism, one Lord over all, one Father. And Lord, we get the grand opportunity to humble ourselves and repent of our pride, repent of our, our ideology, repent of our hatred, repent of our hurts. And we do so, Lord, taking communion, celebrating what you've done. Lord, bless us. Bless me as I go to the Nazarene church right now. In Jesus' name, fill me with your spirit. May you be glorified, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.